Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. I don't know about you, but the cool weather yesterday and uh, when I walked outside early this morning almost made me want to put long sleeves on and watch some football. I guess that apple didn't fall far from the tree, did it? But you know, the the only uh, football I can find this time of year is that I I found a story of an animal football game. It pitted the large animals against the team of small animals. And you can imagine by halftime, the score was like 84 to nothing. And the small animals had to kick off to begin the second half. And so they kicked off and this huge gorilla takes the kickoff, but he gets tackled at the 10 yard line. And so on first down, the large animals run the elephant up the middle, and he's tackled for no gain. So on second down, they think, we'll spread him out. They throw a screen pass to the zebra, but he's tackled for a loss. And on third down, they send a giraffe on a post pattern, but that pass is broken up for no gain. And the large animals have to punt for the first time in the game. And that defense of that small animal team, man, they come running off the field, and they're high-fiving, and they're screaming, and the coach yells, who tackled the gorilla on the kickoff? And the centipede said, that was me, coach. Well, then, who tackled the elephant on first down for no gain? And the centipede said, that was me. Well, who tackled the zebra for a loss on that screen pass? And once again, the centipede said, that was me, coach. Well, who broke up that pass way downfield to the giraffe? And once again, the centipede said, coach, that was me. So the coach runs to the centipede and he says, where were you the first half? And the centipede said, coach, I was in the locker room getting my ankles taped. (laughs) Okay, Uh, no more jokes. But today, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Today, we're going to begin a new series titled Authentic Life. And I don't know about you, but if you've been worshiping with us over the past few months, as we've looked at this idea that words matter, and that sometimes that we fall into the trap of misunderstanding what God is trying to tell us in Scripture, by some of the phrases we hear, or even sometimes use ourselves. As Stuart completed this series, I never said that this past Sunday. Our life group has been following along with these series. In our discussions and study, we have worked our way through these last couple series. There have been two words or two ideas that have captured my attention. And they have impacted, hopefully, my focus. The first one came during the series Words Matter, and it's when Stuart dealt with the words, thank you. And I was convicted of the fact that I am not nearly as grateful, and I do not express my gratitude nearly enough for what God has done in my life and for what the people around me have done for me. 
And so this idea of gratitude has been reignited in my heart and in my mind. The second idea that has impacted me comes from this past series. And it wasn't from one sermon that Stuart preached or one life group discussion, but it was from a couple of those, a couple of those sermons and life group discussions. And it was this idea that I need to be more intentional about investing in what God is doing and investing in others. And then I read a recent Gallup poll which shows that 81% of Americans believe in God. And you know, when I first saw that, I thought, well, that's, that's a pretty good percentage. And then it went on to say in 2011, it was 92%. And when Gallup last asked that question in 2017, it was 87%. There's actually been a steady decline in the percentage over the past several decades of people in America who believe in God. And it is becoming even increasingly more in recent years. And there are a multitude of reasons that are given for this descent. But what I've discovered in those polls and in things that I have read and heard, there is one common thread running through those reasons for this downward slide. And that is the decline of believers who consistently practice their faith. Other studies and many faith leaders have indicated more specifically upon this reason and for the descent of such a decline. And that common thread is the decline of the attitude of gratitude and the rhythm at which believers invest in the life of the local church through worship, connection, serving, generosity, and prayer. And so as we move from these past couple series and into this series we begin today, Authentic Life, and as we begin to unpack the importance of worship, of connection, of gratitude, of serving and prayer in our personal lives and also in the life of God's family, there are two words that have been challenging me. And those two words are gratitude and investment. So I've been trying to get into a rhythm of regularly asking myself two questions. And my goal is that I believe if I can answer positively these two questions today, and I can do it every day, then I will be moving closer to Jesus. Those two questions are these. How have I expressed my gratitude to God for what he is doing and what he has done in my life and in someone else today? And the second one is, what investment have I made in what God is doing and in someone else today? And what I've discovered in my life is that if I can answer these two questions positively today, I find myself moving closer 
to Jesus. And so today, as we begin to unpack this series, I simply want us to focus on two words, gratitude and investment. Grace Marriage is a ministry that is offered here at First Christian, and that ministry brings couples, husbands and wives together twice each year uh, for a six-week period, and we meet once a week for six weeks in what we call huddle groups. And the sole purpose of us doing this is to enrich, to grow, and protect our marriages. We will begin our fourth year of Grace Marriage uh, in August. Gina and I have had the privilege of being a part of all six of the previous huddles. And one of the things we have discovered is that the material that we use in every huddle is different. It's not the same material that leads our discussion time, our times together. It is, it's different every huddle. So if you go to one huddle, it doesn't mean, okay, I've been part of Grace Marriage. That's totally different. But there are two things that we do in every huddle when we get couples together. The first one is we begin every huddle focusing on gratitude. Gratitude toward our spouse, our marriage, our family, and God. Every huddle we begin with focusing on gratitude. The second thing we do, we are challenged during every huddle and in between to build a rhythm of investing in our marriage relationship. And those are common. We've had over 90 couples be a part of this ministry, and our desire is that every couple at First Christian would be a part of Grace Marriage because we believe whether you've been married four or five months or you've been like some of us have been married four to five decades, we believe that if we will continually build a rhythm of gratitude and intentional investment in our marriage relationships, then our marriages will grow, be enriched, and protected. I believe the same is true for us in the family of God. I believe that if we will build a rhythm of gratitude and investment in God's family, then the church is enriched, it grows, and it is the light of the world. When we read descriptions of the early church back in the book of Acts, about the miracles and the, the sharing and, and the camaraderie, the generosity that they had uh, for one another, the fellowship that they had, the growth that was happening in the church, uh, and the prayer life that was happening in the church. Sometimes we're tempted to think, oh man, I wish I was a part of a perfect church like that. But in reality, the early church had problems just like we do today. In the book of Acts chapter 6, if you have your Bible or you have, uh, if you have uh, a device, I would encourage you to look up uh, Acts chapter 6. We're going to use the first six or seven verses there. Uh, but what we're going to see is one of the needs that the church faced, the early church, in this uh, book of Acts. The problem uh, that that need uh, brought among the believers. <clears throat> and so if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin with verse 1. It says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. And so as we look at this, we, we can look at it very quickly and say, 
what is the need the church was facing? Verse 1 says that some of the widows, uh, in some translations says, were being overlooked, neglected, discriminated against in the distribution of daily food. This was huge in the early church. This need was perhaps maybe the biggest need within the church. Because for this church, there wasn't Social Security. There wasn't Medicare and Medicaid. There were no social programs that was going to take care of this need. The full responsibility of this need was falling on the shoulders of the church. And so we can very quickly see the need, but that's not the problem. The problem that, was the, that the church was facing can also be found in this very same verse. When we read, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. And so the need was that the widows, all the widows were not being taken care of. But the problem was that there were rumblings of discontent. And one group was complaining about the other group. You know, sometimes when the church faces a challenge of meeting a need within the church, we often fail to consider all the factors that may be causing the need to arise when the problem exists. And so I believe as we continue to look at verse 1, we also can see the cause. Because verse 1 begins by saying, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there was discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. And so as we look closer at this struggle that the church was facing here in Acts, we can see there were two causes of the need arising. The first is that the church was growing so rapidly that it was struggling to keep up with meeting this specific need using the structure that it had in place. And the second cause, the church was now reaching people of different cultures, speaking two different languages, which was creating a communication struggle. So if we look closely, the problem the church was facing was not intentional. But what we see happening is it was being made personal. In my 40 years of ministry, the vast majority of struggles I have seen the church face meeting the needs within the church have not been intentional. But just like we read here in Acts chapter 6 in the early church, way too often they've been made personal. And so like the early church in Acts, today we are also experiencing a time when the needs within the church are outweighing the manpower and resources 
to meet those needs. So the question I want us to think about this morning, what do we do with this? When the needs within the church outweigh the current manpower or resources, what do we do? I believe that we can find two valuable pieces of wisdom in this verse and the verses that follow. First, if we stay in verse one and we understand what was causing the need to arise was the fact that the church was growing and they were now attracting people from different cultures, then we can be grateful for what God was doing. And so, I believe the first piece of wisdom and encouragement for us today, when the church faces the challenge of meeting needs within the church, even when it creates a struggle, is to look for what God is doing and express gratitude. This morning, as in every Sunday morning, as I walked into this building, there were people on the tech team that was turning on lights and sound equipment and cameras. And I actually walked into a room just to kind of go through what I was going to say today one last time. And someone walked in and turned on the screen and they turned on uh, the lights. There were sounds of drums and guitars and voices on the stage. There were folks over in Kidtown scurrying. There were folks in the student center and in life groups scurrying, getting ready. There were folks in green shirts walking through the hallways. The coffee was brewing in the commons, and I've already had a cup. And those were just the volunteers I came across this morning. All these folks and so many more have been working and preparing all week and they are serving right now so that you and I can come and have a great experience in worshiping our King and our Savior today. And I am so grateful for the volunteers here at First Christian who serve. I actually did something this week. I went back into our database and I started pulling out groups of volunteers and I didn't get very far. And I didn't pull out even half of the groups of people who volunteer right here at First Christian. And I counted hundreds of volunteers who serve right here. And so the first thing I encourage us to do is to be grateful, but don't just be grateful, express gratitude. Tell someone who's serving at FCC, thank you. If you know someone who's serving that has served you in this past week, send them a note. Tell them how much you appreciate them for serving. But just like we read in the early church here in Acts chapter 6, There are needs right here at First Christian that we are not currently able to meet because we don't have the volunteers or the resources. So what do we do with that? I believe the early church gives us a blueprint for how we handle this challenge. And so as we read on in Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse 2, 
we read this. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should be spending our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so the brothers selected seven men who are, are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then the apostles, we apostles, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. You know, when we often read this passage, we read it when we set men apart to serve as deacons in the local church. Just as we did just a few weeks ago here at First Christian, our deacons are selected to help organize and lead ministry areas. What is sometimes misunderstood about this passage in Acts chapter 6 is that the early church was electing men to an office, but they were not. They were selecting men for a task force. They were selected to help organize and lead the food distribution for all the widows to be taken care of in the church. And so I believe there are a couple key points in these two verses, in these two verses following verse one, that can lead us to the second piece of wisdom for us today. First of all, the early church shared the responsibility of meeting the need. Verse two began by saying that the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. The early church shared the responsibility of meeting that need. Secondly, the early church took seriously the combination of spiritual and material concerns, and it recognized the importance of allowing people with different gifts to serve in different areas of ministry to meet the needs within the church. In verse three and four, the apostles asked the believers to select seven men who were respected, spirit-led, and wise to help organize the ministry to the widows so that they could focus on teaching and prayer. And so what we see the early church doing in order to meet the needs of ministry within the church is the second piece of wisdom for us today. And I believe that this piece of wisdom is perhaps more important right now in the church than it has ever been in our lifetime. I believe the importance that those early believers put on investing together. And so the, today, the blueprint is for us to invest together. Mother Teresa said, none of us, including me, ever do great things. But we all can do small things with great love. And together, we can do something wonderful. The verses that follow give us the result of what happens within the family of God. When we express gratitude and we invest together. Beginning in verse 5, it says, everyone liked this idea. And in verse 6, it picks up and says, These seven men were presented to the apostles who prayed for them, and as they laid their hands on them. And then verse 7 gives us the result. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. 
1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first two men to walk on the moon. It's a historical achievement in human history. While these two men have gone down in history, they wouldn't have made it off the ground without the support of a massive team. Over 300,000 men and women collaborated on the Apollo launch. From surveyors, to the engineers, to the astronauts themselves. Every person that worked on the moon landing understood the goal that they were working toward. And it's best exemplified by President Kennedy's conversation with a janitor. When he visited some seven years prior in 1962, when President Kennedy asked the young janitor what he did, he proudly replied, I'm helping put a man on the moon. As we prepare for a new year of ministry here at First Christian, next Sunday you're going to have an opportunity as you leave this worship service or if you come a few moments earlier to explore many of the ministry areas and volunteer needs right here at First Christian. And just like the enormous team that it took to put two men on the moon and how every single worker mattered, we need hundreds of volunteers to meet the needs of our growing family here at First Christian. And it's the investment that you make with your time and talent that will matter. Whether it's singing on a stage, whether it's holding a baby in the nursery, teaching a child, leading a life group, making coffee, running a computer, or cleaning a bathroom. Your investment matters. And like the centipede, you may have a hundred reasons for staying in the locker room. But we need you in the game. And so as we look forward to what God is going to do this next year in the ministry of First Christian, may we always express gratitude and invest together. Would you pray with me? Father and God, thank you so much for this time that we have had the privilege of coming into your house to worship, to worship you, to bring you a sacrifice of praise, to pause and to remember this incredible sacrifice that you have made for us. And so God, I, I come right now and I'm, I'm grateful for this time. And as we come and as we have worshiped, God, I am grateful for those who have made this, this hour possible. Thank you for the volunteers who come together and invest together that we can come into your presence.
And so God, I, I would ask that you would be with us as we, even as we leave this place today, but as we look forward and we begin a new year of ministry and we prepare for uh, this new year, that we will always pause to be grateful for what you are doing and what those around us do for us. But God, would you help us not just be, but would you help us express our gratitude? Our gratitude to you and to one another. And so God, as we also prepare for this new year of ministry, would you bring us together shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand. And as we invest together to meet the needs of your family right here at First Christian. God, we have seen what happened there in Acts chapter six. That when the early church did that, your word spread. And God, it's our desire to be a light and so would our gratitude and would our investing together be a light for you? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would stand. And we're going to sing a song here at the end. And there are a couple of decisions that maybe use on your mind today. One is maybe you've never given your life to Christ and you've been baptized with him. Uh, we saw baptism in the early service. Maybe you've never done that and you would like to take a step to do that. We offer a time. You can do that a hundred different ways, but we offer a time right now. If you come forward, we'll talk with you. We'll help you take that step. Another decision is, and we had this happen in the first service. Maybe you've been worshiping with us and you come to a point where you want to unite with a family of believers and invest together in what God is doing and with one another. We invite you to do that. You can also do that as you come and you join us to be a light to the world. And so maybe your decision is not either one of those. Maybe right now it's to decide that, man, I got a hundred reasons to stay in the locker but I'm going to be in the game. If you have one of those decisions to make, we encourage it to be made today as we sing.